0: Thank you. Before we get into the message today, I just want to point your attention to a couple of quick announcements. I'm going to grab your bulletin out. I just want to direct your attention to a couple of things on there. Um, First thing is next Sunday is Promotion Sunday. Again, we want to celebrate as people take their next step. And uh, we've been taking a moment to pray for graduates as well. So make sure you're here next Sunday. Uh, We do have a baptism class coming up. If you've recently or even a long time ago given your life to Christ, trusted Christ, but have never taken that public step, Uh, of baptism after you've given your life to Christ, then I want to encourage you to come to this class, Um, and then we're also going to be having no student ministry tonight uh, for Memorial Day weekend. Um, If your students usually come to our 5 p.m., students of Coastal, they are not meeting tonight, so again, do not come. You will be here by yourself, and somebody may call the police on you, so don't show up here tonight um, at 5 p.m. And then I just wanted to celebrate one more thing. Uh, We've been so grateful. Um, Last week, uh, Bethany, Beth Ann came down and led us in worship. And today we have Spencer leading us in worship as well. We've been so grateful. Um, We're one church in multiple locations. It's so great. We have uh, just a wide team to come and help us lead as well. But next week, Hunter Boone is back. Um, But also, he got married uh, just last week. And it is official, it did happen um, as well. Uh, So we just want to keep praying for him and Sarah Douglas. They're going to be driving her, I think it's all her stuff, a U-Haul filled with her stuff uh, back on, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. So pray they make it back safe and we'll be so excited to have Hunter back with us um, next week as well. Church, where are you going? I know it's Memorial Day weekend and it's the unofficial official start to summer In fact, I know many of you are probably even watching online today because you've already started your summer plans, already taking a summer trip. But when I'm asking you, where are you going? I'm not talking about your vacation plans. Where are you going right now in your life? Where are you going in the choices that you're making? Where are you going with your relationship with Christ? When things are going good, We believe God is good. When things are going good and there's nothing unexpected happening in our lives, we can sing your love never fails with no problem. But what about when a trial comes? What about when the unexpected happens? What about when you start to see that gas prices are going up? In fact, I don't know if you've read it earlier this week, but they're predicting they will go somewhere between five to $6 per gallon over the course of the summer. What about when a trial comes and that, that pain that you've been feeling, you thought maybe it was that old high school injury, is so much more than that. In fact, the MRI has revealed that it's much, much worse than an old injury. What about when you've been struggling with overeating? and you've gone through a season where you've had victory and you thought God had delivered you from it and you were experiencing victory in this area, but then that Krispy Kreme app that you left on your phone has sent you a push notification saying that you get a free dozen donuts this week just because we like you. What about when a trial comes in your life? You know, in week one of this series, we talked about how when James uses the word trial in the original language, it is the Greek word parasmos, which refers to something unwelcomed or unexpected. An unwelcomed or unexpected experience that comes in your life. So when something unexpected or unwelcome happened, what do you believe about God? See, unexpected trials do not alter what we believe they expose what we really believe. It's the authentic you. That's why all throughout this series, we've been looking at what do we actually believe about God? What direction is our life going even when the unexpected happens? In fact, in the book of James, James was written by the half-brother of Jesus, and James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not believe that Jesus was God until after the resurrection. The resurrection for James took him from unbelief to belief. It took him from believing a lie to being set free by the truth of who Christ is. And James, because of this freedom in the truth, he doesn't just talk the talk church. He walks the walk when it comes to following Jesus. And what he shared with us today that we're going to read, it was written in the year 45. 45. Not the year 1945, but the year 45. Almost 2,000 years ago, James writes this. But even today, it is still living and active. In fact, what we're going to read today, James could have literally written this last week because it is so on time for us today. And one of the reasons why James writes this is to help the believer not talk one way and to live another way. In fact, isn't that so true for us nowadays that oftentimes we will talk one way and we will live another way? You know, that Facebook post that you make on social media, we're all smiles in that picture, but behind the scenes, things are more broken than they've ever been. And we can talk about how, you know, maybe at work we respect the chain of command and we respect those people putting authority over us, but yet at home, we don't respect anyone in our house. In fact, we treat the people in our house as if they were just there to serve us or if, if they mean nothing or even if they were enemies. We can talk one way and completely live another. And God wants us, and James challenges us, to live authentically. And in fact, I, I thought I'd share with you just a couple of things I want you to keep in mind as we continue to go through this series all throughout the summer called Authentic. In fact, that is our mission as a church. We exist as coastal church. We exist to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's who we believe God has called us to be. But that word authentic gets thrown out there in so many different ways. Uh, the the merriam Webster dictionary authentic means worthy of acceptance or belief. Not false or an imitation, but real. Not false or an imitation, but real. We cannot be, church we don't wanna be, a church of hypocrites. I know, I know none of us is perfect, we're never gonna always get it right, but that should not be the main way that defines us. We don't wanna be some fake imitation of Christ, but we wanna be an authentic reflection of the Savior. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it reminds us that we need to take every thought captive and submit it and make it obey Christ. More now than ever, culture tries to push all these lies on us on how we should really live and what is real. But we always need to come back to the truth. In fact, Christian author and counselor, Jenny Allen, she gives us as a framework to think about taking every thought and making it captive. She gives us three questions that we always need to ask so that we can live authentically. And the three questions are, what is the lie? What is the lie that I'm believing right now, maybe even living right now? And it's so good to get in the habit where we need to ask God, God revealed in us any lies that we're believing right now, that we're even living right now. And then she says that we need to ask ourselves the question, what is the truth? If this was the lie I was believing, then what is the truth I need to direct my life back toward? Man, what does God say in his word? What does he show me in his word? What does he show me in life that is true, that is right, and that is good? And then to remember to ask the question, what's the choice? Because you always have a choice. No matter what anyone else has said, you always have a choice. Go ahead and turn me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I just want to ask the question again, where are you going? Are you going further into a lie? Or are you going toward the truth? Because it is the truth that will set us free. It is the truth that will set us free to live for real. To live authentically. And today James is going to take us back to trials. Because when those unexpected or unwanted experiences come in our life. Church they don't alter what we believe. They expose what we believe. So have we been believing a lie? And is it time to look back toward the truth? And is it time to make the right choice that brings glory to God so we can live for real, so we can live authentically? James chapter 1, starting in verse 12. James writes, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. deceived do not be deceived my beloved brothers every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures Church, on the opposite side of this passage, one of the main lies that we can try to believe, whether it's from culture or from our own perception, the lie that we can believe is that evil and temptation are somehow from a holy God. We can begin to believe that evil and temptation are somehow from a holy God. You know, in, in verse 13, James simply says, Look, let no one, okay, no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. He says that God doesn't tempt anyone with evil, and he himself cannot be tempted. You know, one of the reasons why I love the book of James because it gets all up in your business. And it's reminding the people here, look, there's a lie that oftentimes we will believe. We will believe that evil or temptation somehow comes from a holy God. And see, I know that most of you sitting in this room or even watching online today, most of you sitting in this room, you have a relationship with Christ. You've trusted Jesus. And if I were to go around, I were to ask you, would you been walking with Jesus now for a couple of months or many, many, many years? If I were to ask you, do you believe the lie that evil and sin and temptation comes from God? That somehow he wants you to do some type of evil, or he causes it. You would say, Andrew, absolutely not. In fact, I know where this passage is going. I know at the end of this passage we're reading today, it's going to say, look, he is the father of lights. There is no variation, there is no shadow within him. Which simply means no matter which side you look at God from, no matter which angle you view him from, there is no darkness. There is no sin. There is no evil in him. You say, Andrew. I know that's where we're going. I know what the truth is. There are some of you are sitting in this room, or even watching online, where this is one that you struggle with, and I know that you struggle with it because I once struggled with it too. I I think I've mentioned before that I grew up in South Florida, and my parents—they were second-generation immigrants from Jamaica to Palm Beach County in Florida. I think I mentioned before that I grew up in Palm Beach County, but I didn't grow up where um, you know, Donald Trump has a home or Madonna has a home. I grew up on the very opposite side of Palm Beach County. In fact, our home was literally across the tracks. And my parents, as they immigrated to the country, they, they were trying to, trying to do everything they can to give myself and my two siblings a good life um, for us. And the first home that they bought, all they could afford was in a lower income neighborhood in Palm Beach County that, again, literally was across the tracks. And the first couple of years inside that home, I mean, it was great. It was really good, but shortly after that, there was some gang activity that started to move into that neighborhood. There was some drug activity that started to move into that neighborhood. And we started to witness everything from drug deals happening across the street in the open, uh, we witnessed drive-bys that would happen as a result of that gang and drug activity. Somebody got shot in my driveway one time. There were bullets that came through our window before. In fact, it wasn't uncommon at night to hear police helicopters flying overhead because they were trying to break up some illegal activity happening in the neighborhood, or they were trying to catch somebody who was wanted. Wanted. And I remember looking at all that violence that was happening in the neighborhood, all that illegal activity. People were fighting with each other in that neighborhood. I remember thinking, especially as a teenager in high school, like either God is not real or the Israel, somehow he wants all of these things to happen. And one of the greatest lies that we can believe even before coming to Christ is that because those things aren't happening, that somehow God has forced these things to happen. He wants them to happen. And from our perspective, it doesn't look like he is good. It doesn't even look like he's real. But for the believer in the room, again, you may say, Andrew, you know what? I know this isn't true. But remember, every step that we take, every step that we take says something about what we believe about Christ. And every step we take, where we're going, every step we take is towards something or away from something. And sometimes we say we don't believe that God has brought evil into our lives, but we will live that way or even receive it in that way. For some of you who sit in this room, you may even be in a relationship right now where you say, you know what, I've been praying so long for a boyfriend. And I met this guy. And he even prays for me, he even prays with me, he goes to church with me occasionally, but he keeps asking me to send pictures of myself to him. And he says the more that we explore, the more it's meant to be, and obviously if you've been praying for him, this is the guy that God wants in your life. And even though this person is trying to convince you to do something that's evil and sinful, and opposite of what God wants for you, you're receiving it, you're receiving this lie, receiving this sinful, saying that this could even be from God. What about the person who's sitting in the room and you've been having trouble in your marriage for a long time? And maybe right now, maybe on Facebook, again on Instagram, everything in your family looks perfect, but behind the scenes you don't know if your marriage is going to make it. And right now, there's that other person at work that's been giving you all the attention that you wanted. The more you talk to them, the more you have conversations with them, the more you feel loved again. And you're even beginning to think, if I was just with them, this could be the blessing from God that I've been looking for. This is the love that he really wanted me to experience. And you're looking away from what God has given you to something sinful that's going to lead you farther away from Him. It's only going to cause more brokenness. But you're looking at This could be a blessing from God. Church, we don't attach sinful things or evil things to God. So many times we will still receive them and even live those things out as if they were from Him. And there's a danger for the person who's following Jesus to believe this lie. Maybe not in the way that you think, but we can still receive and believe this lie. But it's only going to cause more brokenness in our lives. So that's the lie that we often believe, but what is the truth? In fact, James gives us three truths that we can put into practice today, that we can receive to avoid letting this lie lead us. But instead, go back toward our Heavenly Father. So here's the truth going through trials brings you happiness now I know me even just saying that maybe sounds like a bit of an oxymoron but I want you to help drive this truth into the people sitting in this room okay I want you to look at the person sitting next to you I want you to look him in the eye I want you to tell him hey you're looking very good this morning okay that's not what I want you to tell him okay but I want you to look at that person sitting next to you. I want you to look him in the eye. I want you to say with confidence, hey, God wants you to be happy. Now, turn to the person who is your second choice and say, not in the way that you think. You know, back in the original language, look at James chapter 1, verse 12 again. James says, "The blessed is the man or woman who remain steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. If you have an analog Bible, a paper Bible, I want you to circle the word blessed right there in James chapter 1, verse 12. Um, if you have a digital one, at least highlight that verse, okay? That word blessed in the original language, the Greek language that the Bible was first written in, the New Testament, is the word makarios. And it simply means to be happier. In fact, um, it's where we get our English word happy from. It simply means to be happier. So most of the times in the Bible when you see the word blessed in the New Testament, it is that Greek word makarios, which simply means to be happier. So when you read the Beatitudes, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, they could also say happier are the meek for they will inherit the earth. It could also say happier are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you may have heard it said before in church world, look, God doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be holy. And yes, that is true. God does want you to be holy. You may have even heard preachers like me say before, God doesn't want you to be happy. Following Jesus doesn't make you happy. In fact, it brings joy into your life. Like that's why the Apostle Paul says, hey, make the choice to rejoice. Rejoice again, always and again. I say rejoice, and that is true. But see, the thing is that that word joy that James talked about a little bit earlier in this passage, in James chapter 1, is the word kara, which does mean to be glad. It means to be glad. It means to rejoice. And this word makarios that says blessed, it simply means to be happier. Man, thinking about this is almost like two sides of the same coin. Slightly different, but part of the same thing. In fact, when we are blessed, it's that internal perspective. It's what we feel on the inside. But when we we are being glad, when we make the choice to rejoice, it's what people experience on the outside of us. So it's the same thing, just kind of two sides of the same coin. So God does want you to be happier, but it's not in the way that you think. I see the problem is, happiness is often defined by culture. Happiness is often defined by culture, which often has been tied into whatever makes you feel good, makes you happy. Even if it's sinful, even if it ends up hurting people around you, even if it ends up hurting you, if it makes you feel good that's what happiness is but James is reminding us here that happiness joy when you're a follower of Jesus it looks different he says blessed happier is the person who remains steadfast under trials in fact trials are life giving to the believer because they help us fine tune our perspective happiness in God's kingdom look it can be financial blessing. It can be good health. And again, we're not a prosperity gospel church. We're also not a poverty gospel church either. Well, if you are going through a season right now where you are wealthy or happy, then that is okay. That could be a blessing from God. But this is also a reminder that happiness in God's economy is all about perseverance through overcoming temptation and even overcoming trials. But the key is persevering. Being steadfast with your faith intact. It's when the unexpected or unplanned happens and you remain steadfast, steady on God. Going through trials, it brings blessing. It brings a happier life. The second truth that James gives us right here is that going with temptation brings hurt if going through trials actually produces a happier life, the perseverance brings the joy of the Lord it brings strength going through whatever it is you're going through, James makes this clear statement that the opposite is true, that going with temptation will actually bring hurt, listen to what he says here again in verse 14 he says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire." Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You know, temptation simply means to be enticed to do evil. And church, we need to check our own desires. Is whatever it is we're actually desiring, or moving toward, or working toward, is it even good? Is it even God honoring what we're trying to pursue with our lives right now? We need to check our desires. And we need to remember that sin is usually a result of a pattern and a process. Look, James says here, look, there is a pattern. Typically, people are tempted, which means they are enticed to do evil, which sparks a desire in us, and then it goes down and says, well, when we give into acting on that sin, it can lead to hurt, And they can actually even give birth to death. Look, he's trying to remind us here that when we engage in sin, it's never just zero to 100 in a single step. It's typically a pattern and a process that's been growing or happening in our lives over and over and over again. And James is challenging us to be aware of these patterns and these processes that lead to sin. If you are stuck in a pattern right now, a pattern that's leading to brokenness, I would even challenge you like Pastor Aaron did last week to seek wisdom from God, to break the pattern. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but uh, we have fights in our home um, from time to time. And, and recently, too, usually Fridays are my days off, and usually Fridays I am home. And, but usually Fridays are Friday morning to kind of finish up times in our house, Uh, My wife will take some time and finish up school with the kids. Uh, We homeschool. So the first couple hours of Friday morning, she finishes up school. If I have anything I need to finish, maybe some additional work on the sermon or some final emails I need to send out, I'll do that Friday morning. So typically, this is the way it goes in our house on Fridays. We wake up. We'll have breakfast together. Uh, we'll do our family devotions together. And then my wife will work with the three older kids, and I'll take our youngest one, because uh, she's not at school yet, and she's a bit crazy. And we go upstairs, and I finish up all my Friday work. She finishes up school with them. And then we'll go out and do some type of forced family fun, okay? We'll either run some errands together, uh, or we have some sort of activity plan that we'll go and do together, typically on Fridays. I started to notice that on Fridays, especially around the time of, of the afternoon, okay, right when we were getting ready to do that do that some type of activity or run that errand, it's almost like it started to become World War III in my house. For some reason, our oldest daughter, she would get so emotional during that time and so upset with everything that was happening in the world. My youngest son, Lucas, he, be, he became this rage monster. Where he was pushing people down. And, and if we told him what we were doing, he was so upset, so angry that we were going out to ride our bikes on a trail. It's almost like we were going to send the kids to prison. They were so upset at the activities that we were doing. And I may have been the worst one of all. During that time, I was was like, why are we even doing anything? Why do we have kids in the first place? How can we get rid of these people and send them out of our house even quicker? There was something about that afternoon that became so tense in our house. And one of the things I started to notice, okay, because we would do our family devotionals, which you think that would hopefully hopefully help start our day off, right? uh, Breakfast, family devotionals, Friday finish-ups, go out and do this activity, and then we would have lunch. And because Fridays were a little bit more relaxed, we start to have lunch maybe around 2 p.m., 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And I don't know about most of you in this room. I don't like to be hungry. And when it gets to be those late afternoons, I haven't eaten yet. Like, if you guys think I've, I'm a peace-filled pastor and I'm a good listener, all that goes away if I'm hungry. In fact, I don't know if you've ever seen this equation before, but hunger plus anger equals hangry, Okay. And what I started to notice is that right around that time, we were all getting hangry with each other. And so it became this, it was this pattern and this process that was literally causing us to sin against each other and to hurt each other. So you want to know what we did? We changed the pattern. We started to know that instead of going out and do that, of family fun, we needed to eat something first. So lunch now comes first. Rather than us trying to push through it, we take time. We have lunch first or at least a really good snack first before we go out and do that activity. And even just doing that has changed the atmosphere in my house. Now, I, I wanted to tell you that because right now, all of us have patterns and processes that we've established in our lives. But sometimes it is those patterns that are causing us to sin. Look, James outlines a pattern here. He says, look, everyone is tempted. A desire can grow in you. And when that desire is far from God, it can give birth to sin. And then when it gives birth to sin, we can keep going down that pattern and only causes more and more and more harm. In fact, for the person who is not yet a follower of Jesus, And James is pointing back to the fact that all of us are born with that problem of sin. And if we don't do something about that problem of sin, eventually that pattern of behavior is going to lead us so far from God that we spend eternity away from Him. But the good news is, because Jesus came. Jesus, who is God, died on the cross to pay for that pattern of sin that we would have throughout our entire lives. He came to break that pattern in us. When we trust him as the Lord and leader of our lives, he literally changes our lives for eternity. And see, the truth of the matter is, church, right now, those of you who are already followers of Jesus, you need to be aware of the patterns in your life. Because right now, it might be when you are tired that you release all those bitter words against your spouse. Maybe when when you're feeling lonely, you're, you're most likely to go and look at pornography. What is the pattern in your life right now that's causing you to move further and further away from God? See, temptation can lead to sin, which leads to pain, but it doesn't have to. Look for the pattern, because that pattern can lead to hurt, or letting Jesus break that pattern can turn you back toward him. The third truth that James gives us is that going toward trusting the Father brings holiness going toward trusting the father brings holiness listen to what he says here in verse 18 he says of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his own creatures a little bit earlier James said look temptation comes from our own desires uh, that brings forth uh, this birth to sin which can lead to death. But right here he's reminding us that now that you've trusted Christ, there's a new pattern that God wants to establish in your life. In fact, you're kind of a first fruits. If he is the vine, we are the branches. And again, now we are to be an authentic replication of our Savior. And that is the good news of the gospel. And he's telling this church that there is a new pattern of life under Christ. One where we are mirroring our creator. In fact, like the more we trust him, the more we end up looking like him. It's the same thing Peter was saying, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Where he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. There's a new pattern now because of Christ. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those who are believers are to live as an example of God's goodness and his faithfulness. Holiness is life. It is a crown away from temptation, not being deceived, but instead living in the freedom in Christ, being sanctified through his word. Church, a happier life is a holy life. That's the truth that James tells us right here in this passage. So the lie is that God is trying to lead us toward evil or temptation that somehow some way evil or temptation or sin is either attached to or attributed to a holy god but the truth is that going through trials does produce blessing it does produce a happier life but it's not in the way that we typically think the truth is going with temptation following that pattern only leads us further and further away from god but the truth is he wants us to be holy as he is holy We are a new pattern established under Christ. A new pattern even leading up to eternal life. So what's the choice? I wrote this message probably about two weeks ago. And this week as I was reviewing it, I looked at this part that says, what's the choice? Especially after going through the past two weeks. And I looked it at that and I said, should I still even preach this on Sunday? Church, here's the choice when you go through trials, when you're facing temptation, when the unexpected or unwelcomed happen in your life, even when it's painful. As a result of the truth, we will choose to believe that God is good always. James says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow due to change. No variation, no shadow. Again, it means there is no dark. No sinful side to God. No matter what angle you look at Him from, He is good. He is just. He is loving. He is grace-filled. He is merciful. That is who He is. No matter which angle you look at God from, He is good. So no matter what trial or temptation we go through, we to make the choice to believe that God is good always I want to give you three practical steps that you can do especially if you're in a trial right now especially if you've been facing a season of temptation and maybe you don't know exactly what to do but you want to make the choice to believe that God is good always the first one is to look for his grace I want to challenge you to return to his grace every single time Even if temptation is coming in your life, even if you let that desire grow, you step into that temptation, the lie is to believe, look, God doesn't want you to come back to Him. But the truth of the matter is, His grace is always available to you. Even if it's the 10th time, even if it's the 10,000th time that you've committed this sin or this offense, His grace is still available to you right now. But if you're going through a trial, His grace is also still sufficient. fact his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect even in your weakness no matter how painful the trial is right now look for his grace but also look for the good even in the trials god is doing something good in your life and sometimes we can get so zoomed in on what is painful in the trial that we miss the good that god is doing around you there may have been someone that he sent into your life to simply to pray for you or to share with you an encouraging word. There may be something that he, he, a gift that he brought, a person that you brought. Look for the good that he is doing. Be intentional about it. And I even want to challenge you right now if you're in a season where everything is up and to the right, uh, everything is sunshine and butterflies for you right now. If you see someone who's going through a challenging time that you would be some of that good that God wants to send their way. In fact, you may have even thought, maybe I should pray for that person. Pray for that person. You may have even thought, hey, maybe I should send them a text right now. Don't hesitate. Send them the text. Like, you could be the good that God wants to use in their life right now. But I want to challenge you. Look, if you're facing a trial or facing temptation, even if it's happened so many times, so look for the good that God wants to do. Sometimes you just need to zoom out. Because He is still working and fighting for you. And the last step is to look for the pattern. Now, yes, we need to look for the pattern that's leading us into temptation. But we also need to look for the pattern of how good God has been to you. I guarantee you, if you've been through a trial before, if you've faced temptation before, He has provided a way out before. He has provided for you before. He has given you exactly what you've needed before. So look for the pattern of faithfulness that God has worked in your life time and time and time again. As the worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, Church, I just want to challenge you to choose to trust God. He's good always. He has been good from the beginning. He is good right now. And he's going to continue to be good. And if you're sitting in this room right now, you haven't yet trusted Christ, man, I want to challenge you. Maybe the pattern in your life right now seems to be leading to more and more brokenness. Maybe you try to fill your life with all these other things, but you keep feeling the emptiness on the other side of that. Just like what James talks about, that is a pattern that's leading to death. That's a pattern that's leading further and further away from God, even an eternal separation from him but jesus has come to break that pattern and today could be the day that you trust him as the lord and leader of your life in fact would you go bow your heads and close your eyes right now and if you're ready to receive jesus as the lord and leader of your life to break this pattern that's been growing in your life to start something new that even if you're going through a season of trials Trials are going to continue to come, but he's going to give you the grace that you need to persevere. If you're ready to trust him as Lord right where you are, will you just pray the simple prayer? Will you just pray, Jesus, I believe that you are God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You bodily rose from the dead. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be the Lord and leader of my life. And then for the person who's sitting in the room right now who's already trusted Christ, I wanted just to take a moment and pray for you. If something, has, if something unexpected has happened to you, something unwelcomed has come into your life, whether it's been the past week, Whether it's been the past month, whether it's been this past year, if there's something unexpected, unwelcome that's coming to your life, would you just raise your hand up so I can pray for you? Raise it up high, keep it up high, so I can pray for you. Okay? Raise it up, keep it up. Father, I pray for every single hand that's up in this room. God, there's nothing better than knowing you. And God, I pray for the person right now who is into a season, who has been pushed into a season where the unwelcome, the unexpected, the trial, the temptation, and they just seem like it keeps coming, God. God, I pray that they would know, Lord, that you have not forgotten them. You have not abandoned them. God, I pray that they would know that the truth is, Lord, you are helping them to persevere. God, I pray that they would know the truth, that you are still good you are still God you've provided a way before and God you're going to provide a way again there's no temptation that's come into our lives that we cannot overcome by your grace God I pray that they will know that they can overcome and your grace is available there's no trial we can't go through, God, that you're not going to help us to persevere. Whatever it is we're going through, God, you will help us to go through it, and you're going to provide every single step of the way. You're the Father of lights. There is no variation or shadow in you from every angle. God, you are good. Help us, Lord, to know it. God, help us to believe it. Help us, Lord, to live it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church.